Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game production. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined by the star of our show here, America's most beloved sports writer, Kevin Kernan. This is our flagship show, Coaching Kernan, episode 138 here on our network. Just a quick reminder to our audience, we appreciate your support. We're climbing close to 14,000 subscribers. We're up to 13,700 at week's end. We appreciate your support. Continue to download, listen, like, subscribe. That little bit of effort helps us continue to give you this quality productions throughout the week. We do have a full week of shows, so we're excited about that. You can continue to engage us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'll put a question out of the day every morning. Uh, This morning, coming into the show, we had a little bit of delay between Friday and today, so we had over 400 questions this morning. I definitely will get get the answers back to you. I do one publicly every day. And uh, before we uh, introduce our guest, I want to welcome back Kevin to the show and and uh, some great articles again this week. I feel like I say that every week, but it's true. Um, you know, touch on a couple of things you, you hit on. And a lot of the, I mean, you, you hit on the science experiment going on in baseball. Uh, you know, you went and saw some things live. Share with the audience what you're seeing and how you're feeling about it. Yeah, Dave, thanks. Basically, you know, it's been going on uh, for years now. And guys have gotten out of the, off the diamond and into, you know, labs and they work on things in, in labs. And that's why I'm excited to uh, talk to our guest today because, you know, he's got some real life experience and all this stuff. But so they're, they're working in a lab and then they come out, the hitting lab, the pitching lab. And all of a sudden, Carlos Rodon for, for the Yankees is out with, uh, you know, he's got a forearm strain. All of a sudden, Harrison Bader, you know, pull, pulls an oblique. You know, I'm old enough to remember, Dave, when you went to spring training, you worked out, you got in shape, and now we got to hear these guys are in the greatest shape, you know, much better than the past generations. But they're always getting hurt. You know, you, 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 it, it, teams always say this to me, and I spoke to Dusty Baker about this, Buck Showalter. You know, we just want to come out of spring training healthy. That's the whole goal of spring training. But these guys, and it's because of the way they're, the, the way they're kind of uh, – they work nowadays. They don't work on practical things. So I talk to baseball people about basically getting out there, work on your curveball, you know, work on hitting the ball the other way, work on all these things that happen, work on base running instead of being, uh, you know, metric to death in, 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 in the lab. And I'm seeing it time and time again, and I'm sick of it. So I really let it fly. I can't tell you how many baseball people sent me texts or whatever. And because uh, nobody's writing this, everybody's kissing everybody's butt. When it comes to uh, you know what's going on in baseball, and and this that was one thing that bothered me. The second column, um, and again, I offer solutions. I don't just criticize, and that's important. The second column was I I specifically look at certain teams, and I looked at the Marlins this week, and I talked to Skip Schumacher, their new new manager, good guy, very positive about the changes that they're making and what they're trying to do defensively. Uh, they're, they're basically moving people around. It's kind of like a grand experiment, more contact, less defense, less power. I don't think it'll go well, but we'll see where it goes. So that's in a nutshell. Let's get right to our guest. And, uh, you know, I, I got some doozies for him today when we start. Oh, yeah, no, he's going to be great. I, yeah, I agree with you. Your articles are you, you identify problems, but you give solutions, which is rare nowadays. So audience, continue to follow Kevin on Ball 9. 
They do a great job over there. Uh, Kevin, two wonderful pieces a week. Let's continue to support our brothers over there too. And uh, now to our guest, uh, very fortunate uh, to get our guest on. He was recommended by one of our earlier guests as a must-have on the show. I called him right away and we're, we're, uh, we're glad to get him. Introducing today, we have Dr. Kurt Ickes, Professor Emeritus at Ashland University. He taught psychology for over 30 years, expertly trained baseball players from youth leagues to professional level on how to use strategies to achieve optimal performance. We're all after that. Uh, he's written books called Mental Toughness, Getting the Edge. They're used by high school, college players today. He's written two books for children, which I think is genius because that's where I mean, we want to be upstream with, with our issues. And two books that I had a chance to, to take a look at. One is called Win the Next Pitch, and the second one is called You Got This, Win the Next Pitch is an essential mental game skills for young baseball players. And You Got This is mental game skills for young softball players. So um, just a little bit about how uh, Kurt got into this, and then I'll, let, I'll introduce him and let him share. I don't want to do too much with it. But uh, the idea was to educate young players on the mental games, uh, the mental skills game. They need to just crush it on the field and introduces players to sports psychology techniques and it uses an interesting writing strategy, uh, and this is for both baseball and softball players. So uh, with that, Kurt, I don't want to go too deep because you'll explain it much better than I did. Uh, I want you to introduce our audience to, to Jack and Ava and Zoe and, and Addie, uh, some characters in your book. But with that, I want to welcome Kurt Ickes. Welcome to the show, Kurt. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and talk to you and your listeners. Yeah. We're, we're excited. Just so you have an idea, we, we talked earlier, our show now, we're, we're up close to 70 countries uh, that we're in, grassroots all the way to major league front offices. Uh, we're, we're making some noise out there. Um, in your two books now, I had a chance, actually, my, my son read one and my daughter read the other this past weekend. So they got a chance to, to take a look at it. Uh, start, start with the first, well, start, start with the first one with um, Win the Next Pitch. That's the, the baseball book starring Jack. When young players read that in parents, what will they learn? What's the, what's the premise? Well, I, I want to back up just a bit and, and sort of tell you a little bit about how the book came about. I was uh, working, I've been working with college, high school, college, professional players for almost 20 years. And when I was at, and I still work with Ashland University Baseball Program. And when I was working with, with older players, I noticed how they learn these skills and how it really, really helped them. So probably the last, before I retired from the university in 21, probably the last five, six, seven years, I, it just kept banging around in my mind the, the idea that what, what if we just taught kids, eight, 10, 12 year olds, some of these skills, how good would they be by the time they get in high school or college? And so um, I kind of kicked around the idea and I, and I love the idea, but I, I was, thinking, how are you going to do that? How could, how could we do that in a way that they would understand it, in a way they'd be interested in it? And uh, so I remembered, and I think you and I talked a little bit about this before, I remember when I was that age, I was reading Matt Christopher books, famous yes. author, and uh, I love the books. He, he wrote in story form, and he would follow a character and, and a couple characters as they played on uh, a sports team and he took them through a couple games and, and I thought that's how you're going to do it. Um, and so what I did was I, I, I took some of the skills that I teach college uh, players and, and I created a, a story and in this particular story and win the next pitch and also in you got this same, same messages, I decided I was going to go after 
performance skills. Um, what I mean by that is um, the way I teach sports psychology and everyone teaches a little differently. And um, But as I teach sports psychology, I sort of see it as a three phases, a pre-performance, which is things that you would do off the field, in practice, um, ahead of the games, so to speak. You're, the training, like in, at, at Ashley University, we start training our guys in August. Um, so things you work on there, things like uh, controlling your emotions, deep breathing, attitude, work ethic, self-talk, all those kinds of building the mentally tough personality. So you do that pre-performance. And then there's a piece that I, I look at. It's called, I call it performance. What do you do game day, pitch to pitch? And that's what I went after here in the first books. Because I wanted to give young players something that they could use right away so they could see the value of the mental game. Um, so I went for per- performance skills. Now, the third third sort of aspect of that would be post-performance. Um, and that's where... You know, I'm at with my college guys uh, after the practice or after the game. What did you learn? Um, you just went out and played, you know, hours here, a few hours. Uh, what did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about the game of baseball? Um, and and look back and uh, jot down not just the things that you need to improve, uh, but also what did you do right? Um, B.F. Skinner said, you know, famous psychologist said, when you raise children, one of the most important things you can do is catch them doing something right and reinforce it. Don't just look for things you want to punish. And so I think players get kind of caught up in that, uh, you know, focusing so much on what they didn't, didn't do well. So that's kind of the post-performance stuff um, that we do. And, and our, our guys just came back from Florida last night. So that'll be this week. Um, I'll go in and, and we'll sort of do a post-performance analysis of what they did well and and what they need to keep working on. Good. So that that's uh, how did they do record wise down in Florida? It, we did well. We um, we had a good trip. We had a very very tough schedule, and we, it's kind of exciting for me. But it's going to but it's also going to be challenging because our coach is a Hall of Fame coach, John Shally, and uh, our our D two program is has been solid forever, and uh, we have he has the youngest team he's ever coached in uh, 35 years. So we're playing a lot of uh, sophomores and a, a freshman or two. And so it's kind of exciting for me because I, I get to start over with a new group of guys that I'm going to have for a couple of years. So it's good. And, but, but I tell you what, we, we had some games where we just kept, we kept battling. And uh, so uh, we would get behind eight to one and we come back and, and just uh, we played Grand Valley real quick story. Grand Valley, uh, excellent team out of Michigan, Grand Valley State. And they ended up scoring something like six runs in the top of the ninth. We were up by two and we came back and uh, scored five in the bottom of the ninth. So we didn't roll over and quit. And that's always good from a sports site perspective. Oh, absolutely. Um, now with your your two books, want to talk about the baseball one first, win sure. the next pitch. Sure. When you say, you know, they want to play baseball one pitch at a time, what does that mean to you? And, and how do you translate that to a young player? Great question. What we're talking about, I think um, if, if you're going to begin teaching young players the mental game, as I see it, you have to have this sort of, 
main goal, this umbrella, everything else falls under it. And the main, the main goal here is to win the next pitch, which means it's as a player, it's your responsibility to get yourself as ready as you can for that next pitch, which means you have to have a hundred percent concentration on it. And you're not distracted by emotions, whether it's frustration or anxiety from a past play, you know, you know, you missed a ground ball or you, you had a bat at bat. Um, you're not distracted by the crowd. You're not distracted by um, your, your own internal thoughts or your own physiology, right? Your heart pounding and respiration. So all the skills that I'm teaching here in this first book get you back on the next pitch. Um, one of the things I do with, with young uh, athletes, is and I think it's really really important. It's hard to do at this age, but you you have to help them understand that adversity and failures part of the game. It's built in. It's going to happen. Um, so if we know it's going to happen, we let's get a plan for it. Uh, you know, kids expect. You know, they're trying so hard and they expect to play well. They expect to you know be perfect every time. Well, that's not going to happen. I, I point out to them that. Major League Baseball players making tens of millions of dollars a year still miss ground balls. They still strike out. They still give up home runs. That's just part of the game. So we we can try to play our very, very best, obviously, but adversity is going to happen. We need to have a, a plan for it. So what that means is when adversity happens to us, we don't, we don't play well, we make a bad play, we have bad strikeout, whatever it is, um, we have to quickly get back get back for the next pitch. And so in the book, I teach specific skills to do that. And, and one of the things that I teach is the, a reset or a release. So that there's a specific three-step, we call it the three T's, three-step approach that a player can quickly learn and use between pitches to get rid of that mistake. And it's taking a deep breath, consciously doing some wipe away behavior, throw away behavior, and then uh, telling themselves something positive, best shortstop in the league, I'll get him next time, whatever it would be. The idea is we want to prevent sort of carryover, one mistake leading to another, leading to another. Um, so that's that's in the book too. Um, again, the whole the whole goal is to, to we got to win the next pitch. That's the only thing we can do, be 100% present. Next pitch is the most important pitch of the game. Got to get ourselves mentally ready to do that. What's an example? The the middle one you mentioned, the because I think that's an interesting one. The breathing, I catch athletes doing that all the time. Even I do it when I'm uh, when oh, I'm yeah. performing. It. You just forget to breathe, and it, right, it immediately right. releases you. The positivity, um, you know, I think a lot of people get that. The one in the middle, to me, that's that's a key one. The throwaway. Can you go deeper into that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, this. With our college guys, I'll tell you. I'll tell you where what we do as college, and then I sort of break it down to some of the suggestions I make to the to the younger guys. Uh, what we what we teach is you have to have some. You take your deep breath, and 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 for all of the coaches out there listening, probably the most important skill you can teach any athlete, any sport, is the deep breathing, the correct deep breathing technique, which is. You know, not the big up in the top of the chest, deep breath, but it's down. Um, it's the 360 breath where in through the nose, your, your stomach comes out from the spinal cord. You take, you take that exhale, 
you blow out. Um, so you're, you're smelling the flowers and blowing out the birthday cake is what they say. Um, so that's obviously step one. Step two, then we got to throw it away. Um, and you, you come up with your own wipe away behavior. And so if you're an infielder and you miss a ground ball, step one, you take your deep breath. We have our infielders go off the dirt out into the grass, um, pick up grass, dirt, squeeze it to get that anger, frustration out. And then they, th they toss it down. And the real trick is to teach players not to just go through the motion of that, but they really, really throw that down. And that means it's gone. Hitters have a bat at bat. We make sure they have, they have already built in a plan. If I have a bat at bat and I'm still frustrated by it, I'm going to go down, get a drink of water, crumple up the cup, throw it in the trash can. And when I throw it in, that's gone. We're not going to dig it back out. Uh, real quick, funny story. I, I was working with the Lake Erie Crushers Frontier League. Uh, we had a guy who had his own unique wipe away. He had a bat at bat. He'd come in and he'd throw his bat in, a, in the uh, trash can. He'd take the big trash can. He'd flip his bat in his trash can. Bat boy knew not to grab it. Nobody, nobody touched it. He'd go down to the end of the bench, get his drink of water, calm himself down. A little bit later, it might be, it might be the next inning. You'd see him. He'd go over to the trash can, pull his bat out, take some paper towels, wipe it off, and stick it up in the bat rack. He was ready to go for his next at bat. So, <laughs> isn't that isn't that wild? It's and it worked for him. Yeah. So so the idea is we get rid of it. We you get rid of that that bad play, and then you follow that up with some positive self talk and a quick video um, of yourself making a great play. So if you're a shortstop, you you. Uh, you know, tell yourself best shortstop in the league and see a quick video of you making a great, fantastic play. And then you're ready. And, and it sounds like it's a lot, but uh, when players are trained to do that, they can do it in under a minute. Yeah. It has to happen quick because the game moves quickly. With, I've got one more and I want to pass it over to Kevin. The um, these are, are these skills that you would recommend? They're not just, um, they're not just privy to the baseball field, correct? These, these kids uh -huh. are, they need to practice this. Everywhere. Hey, fantastic question, David. I love it because um, I get this all the time. On I'm on Facebook and I get messages all the time where you know parents will say their their uh, son or daughter used this in school when they had to give a presentation or they had a big exam uh, and they used the deep breathing stuff or you know they they were frustrated because they didn't do as well off the field and some other and they they thought about the wipe away behavior. Absolutely. These are life skills. And that's what's, that's the beauty of sports psychology is that these are really life skills. Anyone can use them. You don't have to be a 10 year old playing baseball. Anyone can use them and they're very transferable to, to other aspects. I use them all the time. Give you a quick story. I'm writing uh, my second book right in the series because this is going to be a series. And in the second book, I'm covering, you know, some topics that are a little tougher to write about. Um, the first book, they're nice, you know, step one, step two, step three. In the second book, I'm you know covering self-talk. I'm covering control, the controllables, and attitude. You know some topics that are a little tough, tougher to write about. So you know I, I've got a great editor, Olivia Fisher, and she's super. She uh, you know she she critiques my work without completely devastating me, but I do get devastated when I get that back, and it's like ah, oh, she's right. This is not a good section. So I have to use the same stuff. I still have to use 
the the uh, positive self-talk and and making sure my attitude gets right. Um, so um, they are life skills, and I, I think that's the beauty of it. And and if we can get get young athletes, young players, eight, 10, 12 years old, I can't imagine how good they're going to be um, when they get to high school or college. It's just going to be fantastic. So that's what I'm excited about. They start they start seeing the benefit of this, and they start practicing. And then when they're you know in high school and they're in that uh, state championship game, and everybody's screaming and yelling, and they're they're completely zeroed in on the on the ball. You know they got that external narrow focus. It's it's going to be fantastic. I love it. With that, I'll kind of pass it over to Kevin. Those those are great answers, Kurt. Oh, thank you. Yeah, great stuff. And uh, basically, you know, I, I've covered sports forever. So I would have all these conversations with the Derek Jeters of the world, uh, you know, uh, Al oh. Leiter when he got a sports psychologist uh, that kind of changed his career. Talking to Mr. Jeter, I could see where Derek got his ability to kind of just move on. Uh, Paul O'Neill, the Paul O'Neill and Luke Pinellas of the world, uh, they invented, I think, uh, uh, the, the throwaway. It was much more dramatic because they might throw away, a, a, you know, a cooler of water or whatever. But <laughs> right, right. Picked it away. So all these, I think, have, it's great to bring to attention because I think they've been in the game. And I also, you know, I've, I've raised three kids that all played college sports. My daughter set a home run record at her co- college and oh, uh, things like that. And she was inspired by... Really, she played, uh, she's older, so she played with, there was no girls softball at the time. She played Little League, and when she didn't make the Little League All-Star team when she was deserving, that kind of inspired her for the next eight years. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so, yeah, yeah. So, so this, I don't want to make it la-la land. You know, there has to be some reality here. And and I think, uh, you know, the, the, the breathing technique is wonderful. It's, I, I call it Tai Chi breathing. You know, I think, uh, you know, if, if you get that stuff, like you say, from the, from the lower area and you breathe right, it makes a huge difference. So everything you you said so far makes perfect sense and, and it's great for kids and more kids need to do this. I'm going to throw something at you though, that, you know, what do we do with the dopey parents that get in the way of all this stuff happening? Because I've seen many instances, I'm not going to get specific, but I've seen many instances where a kid has great talent and he's been enabled by his parents to kind of be, to be a dope, really, another word for it, and he kind of brings down the team. So how how do we how do we teach the parents to get the hell out of the way and not just be the uh, the uh, the John Deere tractor cutting the lawn in front of them to make the path easier instead of letting the kids uh, decide on their own path? Well, that's a great question. I I, I really uh, think part of it is, and I see this sometimes with the travel teams. I think you set the have to set the tone early mm-hmm. uh, in Definitely. the season. Definitely, uh, you sort of set team rules of what 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 the expectations are, and and coaches. I mean, it, it it's tough, but but coaches have to have to be firm. And I think that the earlier in the season or the earlier when when the team get, to, you have to be firm. You can't allow it to continue and grow because it's going to become more disruptive as the season goes on. The more Leeway you give a dopey parent, they're, the more they're going to take, and they're going to continue on. I'll give you give you a quick quick exa- analogy here, it's, Kevin. It's like uh, when I, I taught college uh, university at, for uh, psychology for thirty four years, right? And, okay, so you yeah you've been in the trenches. Yeah, so one of the things that I learned as a early on as a young professor is when someone comes to class late, 
first week of school and you get you get somebody coming in five minutes late, you call them out on it. You don't do it in front of everybody, but you call them out on it, you know, before they, because if you don't, that five minutes is going to be 10 minutes and then 15 minutes. And then other ki- other students are going to say, yeah, oh yeah, that's cool. We can just wander in whenever we want. Right. And so you're teaching a class of 25 people and, you know, you're going to have this endless stream. So that's what I say with with parents here. I think you call them out early. Uh, but but even before it even begins, you, you have a clear set of expectations. This is how we're going to play. This is what we're going for. Um, and this is what, you know, we're, we're not going to tolerate, you know, some of this behavior. Um, speaking of speaking of parents in, in the book, one of the and coaches, one of the things that I really was encouraged by with the book, and this happened in October, and I don't know if I talked to David about this before, but in October, you know, I, I published this book over the summer. It's on Facebook. I just, I didn't advertise it. I don't have a publisher. It's all self-published stuff. And so it just starts growing on Facebook. Lots of people buying the book. Then about October, I start seeing all these teams ordering, you know, copies for everybody. Hey, I bought the book for my son. It really worked. I want to buy everybody a copy. And so they're saying, hey, can I get the discounts and team discounts, which which I, I was able to do that. Uh, but what I really liked about that approach is it sets the tone. So everyone on the team is using a reset. Everyone That's on the great. team, everyone on the team is using this pre-pitch routine that uses a focal point. Everyone on the team understands what arrows out attitude is that we're going to keep fighting and attacking no matter what. So you start building this team culture by, by having everyone on the team do this. And, and I think that's really, really been, been critical too. Um, that, to have, you know, that you need to have everybody, it's buy-in. Everybody has to have the buy-in. Exactly. And, uh, and when they do, then you move forward as a team. And I think the point you make is terrific about the coach has to set the tone early, just like the teacher has to set the tone early. Here's another, but I'm th- I'm going to throw another. What's happened? Reality into into uh, into the picture. This is a strange group. I wouldn't say strange group, but this is a challenge group of young athletes now uh, and young students. I think because with the a lot of times with the, the the teaching where they shut down schools and you know the mask and this and that. There's a lot going on there. It kind of threw everybody out of kilter with these kids. And I think it's given them a certain, to some degree, it's given them a certain leeway to kind of be more of, I, I just spoken from the school last, uh, last week. And, uh, you know, I kind of brought some reality to them. Uh, but these, I think a lot of kids now, because of what's happened in the last few years, they haven't been held to a higher standard. And how do we get back to that standard? Right. It's almost like re-socializing them, right? Yes. It, it's it, okay. How do you behave? And, and, and they, they had, you know, a couple of years where there, there was less structure, right? You kind of just do what you want to do and you can, and you don't, you don't have to interact with authority figures as much and you don't have to interact with your peers. And, and well, uh, I could imagine back in the day when, if I was in like, say seventh grade or eighth grade, and I don't have to show up in class. I can just turn on a, a, a laptop and all of a sudden that's my school. Yeah, come on. I mean, yeah. yeah. What w- I, I, I'm just a little, little uh, editorial here. What we did to the kids uh, was very bad. And, and uh, hopefully uh, we learned a lesson that we can't do that and, um, you know, make the kids pay for some other things. So I just want to throw that editorial in there. But, but uh, I, 
you know, I think I think uh, the points you were making, just expound on them because I think they're so important. I think these kids have to have to be, learn about accountability again. Well, that's what it's about, especially, you know, if you if you can get get to them at eight, 10, 12 years old and it's about team, it's about teamwork. But it's also the other the other emphasis is that I see that, that concerns me is. With the social media stuff, it's all about stats. It's all, you know, an eight or 10. I just saw something today on Facebook. Yeah, great point. Oh, yep. my. Uh, 10 and under uh, baseball players to watch. And they have, there's an, actually a website where they track 10 and under baseball players in the country, the top 15 or 20 or 25. I mean, are you kidding me? Um, you know, so it's so performant, you know, what's your velocity and what, what are your stats? And, and I really think the idea of getting back to getting better every day, working hard, developing, you know, core personality techniques and, and, and characteristics that are going to help you long-term, right? You know, how do, how do you handle adversity? How do you learn uh, to not spend your time on things you can't control, like umpires and weather? Put that, put that towards getting better every day. Um, well, I want to take it one step further. You, you need to, things you can't control is like what's, what's being said about you on social media or TikTok wow. or things like that. Uh, I what think that was. needs to get into the, the, the conversation now because we've seen in, in real life, again, we've seen situations where kids have, uh, you know, haven't handled that well and there's been some terrible tragedies as a result. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's social media and, and uh, my, fortunately, both my, my, uh, kids are older. And so they were in high school when social media was, was just becoming a thing. And so we didn't have to go through that, but parents today, it's, it's, it's a mess because, uh, you know, you talk about bullying in the classroom and then you got cyber bullying and, and it's, it's very, very difficult. And the other thing that kids see when they get on social media, young players is they see everybody's successes, right? Yes. So I, get on, I get on, oh, I see, you know, I'm looking, even if you don't know the, this other kid or the other team, wow, you know, wow, he's, I see this kid hit two home runs, right? Oh, right, he might have struck out the other five times up. Yeah, yeah, but he's got a picture of him with the balls or, or you know, wow, they, you know, he, he batted, he hit. And so you see enough of that. And gosh, you know, we all compare ourselves to other folks and we try not to. But as a kid, you really do, right? How, how how well am I doing? Well, it looks like, well, I'm not, I'm never on Facebook for hitting two home runs in a game or striking out, you know, 12 lap batters. I, you know what I mean? It's, and it's, it's this, it's not reality, right? And like you said, they, they don't tell you the other, you know, the games where he strikes out three or four times with the bases loaded, two times with the bases loaded. So that's tough. It's tough for kids to do that. So, uh, you know, to, to try and compare themselves. So we try not to do that. I think it's just healthier to to focus on, and you get good coaches out there that do this, and good organizations that just co- just look at personal development, right? Let's get yes. better. Let's yes. get better every day, right? Um, the goal is to be better this week than I was last week, and let's figure out how to do it. Um, I, I always try to tell my players, you know, uh, when we we don't play as well as we want, the idea is we're going to learn the lesson and lose the emotion. We're not going to get caught up in the emotion of that failure so that we, you know, beat ourselves up. We're going to say, okay, I didn't make that play or 
I had a bad at bat here. What did I do wrong? What can I change? And let's fix it. I mean, that's it. Uh, all, all of those baseball experiences should be used to, to learn to get better. We don't, we don't need to beat ourselves up about it. Um, no, and it makes you, and that's what life's about. And I think exactly. if you do that, you know, exactly. uh, that's why I think what having you on today is so important and, and the books you've, you've written and, and the real life experiences you bring in reality. I have two more and I'll throw it back to Dave. Basically, I was just checking it out. Uh, uh, the, the Ashland, they, 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 um, they lost, uh, they won like four in a row in Florida. Then they lost four in a row. Um, that's what they're coming home from. So yeah. that'll be your challenge now. Yeah. But I think also has to be taken into account, to, you know, I think three of those losses were very close. Right. They also, another thing I don't think teams work enough on, the losses come at the end of a Florida trip. And again, yeah. go all the way back to when I went to Florida. Uh, in Kevin, you, Kevin, you're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the Florida trip, right, we yeah. our schedule got tough. We played, the I think, the toughest teams. We just happened to play the toughest teams at the end. And by then, as you know, end of the Florida trip, your pitching is yep. your pitching's pretty exhausted. So, boy, you know, we're, we're throwing, uh, you know, these young, these young freshmen never pitched before, and you're putting them in, in some tough spots. So you have to be realistic about it. And that's why that's why my conversation with them this week, the individual players, uh, especially those freshmen that got hit around pretty hard, is, you know, okay, well, what, do, what did you learn about it? What, what was it like? I know – the outcome wasn't what we wanted, but what did you learn about it yourself, and uh, and what did you do well? And so that's what it, that's what it's going to be about. But you're you're exactly right on the Florida thing, you, you, and and the other thing that uh, that our coach does in Florida, which is really great, is it's a time where you try different guys out. You you you, you let let some guys play so you can see what you got. Yeah, and it's not conference games. It's, it's right, Sunday. right. So you're you're not every single game. You're not playing your, you know, what you would consider your best starting lineup right there. And we're going to play them every single game in Florida. Now we we have to find out what some of these transfer students, our players, what they can do, and some of the new guys. So um, we have to keep it in perspective. I guess is the point. Well, I think that's also how you build a team. Then you realize, you know, I was having this conversation with my son last night, and he's. He's coming on 40 soon, you know, and he's very successful in business and things like that. And he's doing a lot of coaches and he's got his kids and, you know, he's got uh, three daughters and a son. And and, you know, the, the, the kids have to realize that you build these traits for the future. And that that dovetails into my final question here. I want to get specific on, you know, you, you do both baseball and softball, which is interesting. And and I, I personally love the softball game and I find the kids in softball, I think in some degree, I, you know, I think they're, you know, they're, they, they, they can be coachable, you know, they can be coachable. So what, what, when you more so sometimes than, than, than the, the young men can be. And um, when you break it down to your softball books versus your baseball books, how, how do you approach that? And how, how do you deal with the softball player? Well, I think uh, in terms of this age group, eight to eight to 12, I taught the same, the same techniques, the same things matter. Same, the same things are going to get you ready to win the next pitch, um, get you set. And that is learning that solid pre-pitch routine and practicing it, learning that reset that we talked about earlier, learning the, or at least coming to terms with the fact that there'll be some adversity in a, during a game and during a season. And the, and the goal is to get back and compete as hard as you can on the next pitch. And that's what it's about. 
And, you know, we talk about I both baseball and softball. We talk about being an arrows out player, um, arrows in players or, or players that when things don't go well, you know, they mope, they pout, you know, the whole world's against me. I can't believe the umpire made that call. I can't believe I hit the ball finally and it was right at somebody. I can't believe they scored four runs against us in the first inning. Now we're in trouble. Poor me. Uh, arrows in, right? And and I explain to players that arrows in happens. That's natural. It's going to happen. Now, the trick is the, the player with a great mental game learns how to quickly switch that to an arrows out. Arrows out is a choice. You don't sit and wallow in it. You say, okay, back at it. We're going to get this pitch. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get uh, win the next pitch. Arrows out is we're going to attack and we're going to compete every single pitch. And arrows out players and arrows out teams are tough to beat. Um, you may not win, and you know this isn't Disneyland. You don't win every game by being arrows out, but it gives you the best chance. And also, arrows out players, as you know, you've been around a lot of athletes. Arrows out players are respected by their teammates, their coaches, fans, and the opponents. And you know they look at that guy and like, man, we have to just you have to keep on that team. Uh, they keep coming back. It's scary. And and when the game's over and you finally win, you're like, whew, glad that game's over, right? Whereas other teams that play arrows in, they just roll over. You get it, you get a four or five run lead, and and you know they're moping and pouting and they're arguing with each other, and and you know they, they have very little chance of a comeback. So well, and that's a great expression. And my last question here before Dave takes over is, um, and it, it dovetails perfectly because um, with an arrows out in my job, I always would like I said I would talk to players and, and families about what made tick. You know. Uh, Aaron Judge, for example, I knew Aaron Judge was going to be great early on because of where he came from, his parents, how he was raised, you know, being adopted at one day old. Uh Same with Roger Clemens in some ways. Roger, uh, I just want to tell this story and then have you react to it. Roger, you know, he's uh, basically didn't know his biological father. His stepfather was a very nice man. Um, And I think when Roger and his sister told me this story, when Roger was like eight years old, Woody, his stepfather, had a heart attack at the kitchen table and basically dropped dead. I mean, imagine mm. living through that. Wow. So they pushed the kids all downstairs into the basement when the ambulance came. And I, I, I remember uh, Roger's sister telling me the story. And you know how basements used to be with the little windows? Well, Roger stacked a, he st- about eight years old, he stacked a, you know, like 10 books together to get, to kind of make his own little stepladder to look out the window and check out what was really going on and everything like that. You know, he, he didn't run away from the situation. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that created a certain toughness obviously in him. And, and I think that can be developed. We're not just talking about on the field where these things develop off the field. A lot of this stuff develops as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the arrows out, uh, you know, if we train baseball. That's a great kids. phrase, by the way. I love that. Oh, arrows thank you. And, and you know, that, well, that's in the second. That's in this in the second book of the series uh, that I'm working on. That's that's the bulk of the new lesson is this whole concept of arrows out. And uh, uh, yeah, you just got to keep competing. You got to you battle. You just battle, and and they're going to be tough times, just like you said, tough times on the field, but also tough times in life. And you know, head head down, straight ahead. Let's let's see what the next day brings. You know, tomorrow's a new day, and and you you just can't get caught up and get as I I describe it to my players. You can't get stuck in the mud with the the emotions of of a bad play or a bad at bat or some some bad. Figure it out. Let's problem solve it and let's attack it. You're gonna be far better off if you attack. 
attack, 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 and compete on every pitch instead of just crumbling. So um, that's that's what we're trying to teach. You know, eight, like I said, eight to eight, ten, twelve year olds, um, and I think uh, the books do a pretty good job of that. I, I think the the responses I get from parents and coaches have been really, really fun. Yeah, and we we've enjoyed it. We've enjoyed it here with our our kids. We're going to pass it around our programs. Actually, oh great! Maybe one of those teams that order. We have a couple hundred kids with the basketball program, and getting close to that with baseball. So, um, it'll certainly help us. And it's Kevin's questions prompted a thought on my end, and and actually, it's probably I usually ask a selfish question at least one per episode. Here's my selfish one. So the the kids you're teaching the kids um, really uh, personal responsibility controlling their own emotions, their own brain, their own mind, their own breath. Right. I would imagine you also have to teach that collectively. So that way, if I fall off the tracks, if I don't have the wherewithal to get back on the next play or the next pitch, how, how do you communicate that to teammates or coaches too? How do they, how do you teach them to recognize when a kid's about to, you know, not compete on the next pitch and how do you teach them to bring them back? Hey, great question. Here's here's the thing about it, and this is what was was really exciting to me of when I started seeing all these teams buying the book and walk walking uh, through the book with their team, because it does become a, a part of the team culture. And you do have just like in the book, I think I intentionally gave some examples in the book of, um, you know, the, the one I think Jack makes an error and and his buddy Matt from the center field yells at him, hey, reset, Jack, reset. And then Jack does his reset. I think I, I try to put those kinds of examples so the young reader can say, oh, yeah, he needed reminded of that. And this guy, his teammate helped him out and reminded him, and he, he reset and he makes the next play. Um, but so so it is. It's, it's you know, helping each other out. And if everyone gets a common language of it, right? So everyone who reads this book and teams that reads it, read this book, they know what resetting means. They know what the three T's are. They know what a focal point is. Uh, they know th- they can help each other out and, and uh, you know, pick each other up because it it's tough. I mean, you know, when you make a mistake, we all make mistakes and we don't like it. And, you know, you can imagine being 10 year old and, you know, you struck out with a couple guys on base and you're devastated. It, it It's tough sometimes to pull yourself up and that's where your coaches and teammates are going to come in and help you out. Yeah. I, I like that because it is, it's, it's collective. You've mentioned the word culture, and I love that. And we actually we made a joke before the show about the, the dentist, and it's almost like the, making a dental appointment. You make the dental appointment six months in advance, and then you got to be reminded right before you do it. So there's that post mistake reminder, but you also can do the pre mistake reminder to to make sure they don't fall into that. I've got one more, and then I turn it back. Kevin asks a great question to end all of our shows, but um, I hear this a ton with people coaching young kids and, and collegiate and professionals. I spent 20 years as a college coach and I probably did it myself from time to time. How do you feel about the word don't when you're. Oh, fantastic. Glad you, glad you brought it up. One of the big things I teach, um, and it's actually again in, in the second book in the series, but one of the things I teach at my clinics with, with young, young players as well as high school and college. And I just did a presentation Saturday and this was a big part of it is when we talk about self-talk, um, one of the most important things that we can teach athletes is um, to tell themselves what they want to have happen instead of what they're afraid to have happen. So I'll give you a quick example. You're coming up the bat, less than two outs, runner on third, tie game. 
you obviously want to put the ball in play. Um, instead of being anxious and saying, don't strike out, we teach our hitters to say, hit the ball hard. Our pitchers come in, relief, bases loaded. Instead of saying, don't walk this guy, we say, throw strikes. Now, that's it seems like a subtle thing, but it's huge because it changes your whole mindset. Um, and, you know, if I, when I, Saturday I told the guys, I said, you know, we're in the classroom and I, and I said, you know, whatever you do, don't throw up all over yourselves in here. It'd be a mess, right? Um, when you're at school on Monday, don't drop your tray in the cafeteria. And I said, what did you guys just see? And they said, well, we saw ourselves throwing up and dropping our tray. I said, well, the same thing happens in baseball. If you get up there with the bases loaded and you say, don't strike out, what's going through your mind? You're seeing yourself strike out. You can't help it. So we changed the, changed the image by changing the statement, hit the ball hard, right? And that's an arrows out versus an arrows in defensive kind of thing. If you're a pitcher, throw strikes is more powerful than, ooh, don't walk this guy. You know, that's, that's, that's arrows in versus throw strikes, arrows out. So, and that's, that's critical um, to teach. And, and I, you know, I've been teaching it to kids as young as eight, seven, eight years old, and they get it. They get it. And so it's just, you know, letting them know that it makes a difference. Uh, what they say to themselves makes a difference, just like us. As we're and, and I know, I know the answer to this and Kevin does too. And, and, and I know you do because you preach it constantly, but I want our audience to hear it with all of these skills you're teaching, just like we preach on hitting and throwing, how important is deliberate practice with all of it? Uh, abs- uh, it's critical. And I, and I um, in, the, in the books, as you know, I have a review section in the back of both win the next pitch and you got this, that specifically tell the, re- the parent or the coach, um, give them ways for the, the young player to re- reinforce what they learned. Okay, here, here's the drill. And if I could say real quickly, um, I was getting so many emails from and Facebook messages from coaches who purchased the uh, book for their whole team on, they were asking me, how do I, what's the best way to use this book? How do you introduce it in your clinics? I do have a, a parents or parents and coaches guide to the book, um, and if they if they need that, just contact me. I'll shoot it out to them. But it's basically a a, a quick two page uh, strategy guide, if you will, that teaches coaches how to walk through the book. In chapter one, this is what we teach, and here's how you can reinforce it because it is all about practice. Um, you know, you it's it's not a magic wand where you just read it and you say okay. You've got to practice it, and you practice it a lot so that it becomes automatic in games. Give you a quick example. Our college guys, we're practicing this stuff in August, September during our fall games. Uh, every time they miss a ground ball and in, in, in warm-up, every time they, they have a bat at bat, every time they're, they're pitching and they can't find a zone, they step off, do their routine to get back on track because we want them to be ready when it happens during the game. So practice is critical, you, just like you practice your physical skills. You've got to keep practicing these and make it a part of your practice. And so um, I think that's, that's a great point. Yeah. And we use that phrase. We use, we call it low impact reps for high impact situations. So oh, exactly. We, yeah. we do have that pressure. We've, we've done this a thousand times. So, and with that, uh, Kevin asks, uh, it's, it's a, it seems a simple question in nature, but it's not, it's very deep. It's, it's his art and his gift that he has, but at the end of every one of those shows, so turn it back over to Kevin to to hit Kurt with our our final question here. 
All yeah, right. Curdy, and you answer this any way you want, and you, and you got a different perspective than most. Um, it's a real simple question, but what what does it mean to you being a ball player? What does it mean, you know, to you yourself after all these years and all this experience, the phrase being a ball player, what does that mean to you? Wow, that's a great question. Yeah, um, you can take your time with it. You know, sure, sure. I think I think there when I think about being a ball player, I really think about someone who just absolutely loves the game, right? Mm-hmm. Loves the competition and loves loves working with his teammates and just really, really gives a hundred percent all the time, even when things aren't going well. Um it's just gritty, but the, but the other part of that too, and I and I, I never want to leave this out. They have fun, you know. We we uh, that's we, a key we, ingredient. Yep. The umpire says play ball. He doesn't say work ball. And I think sometimes, and I really see this with young players, and I I get concerned about this. You know, sometimes, you know, they're they're practicing so much and they're so serious, and you got to do this and you got to do that, and and you you know, it's just all we don't want it to be work. That's why kids quit. That's why kids, you know, they get to be teenagers and uh, this is no fun. I'm not doing it. Um, and they get burned out. So you got to remember, you got to have fun. You enjoy it. I, I tell my guys at, at, at Ashland, uh, uh, I tell them when, when you go out to practice or you go out to a game, we, we have this thing where we imagine there's a box right outside the gate, right? Where they, they come out of the clubhouse and there's a gate and they come into the field. And I said, when you, before you walk on the field, I want you to take all your concerns, classes, relationships, whatever's going on, and you imagine you just drop it in that box. Because guess what? When you walk on that field, it's a magical time. For the next three or four hours, you get to play baseball, right? You don't have to play baseball. You get to play baseball. And so for the next – and then when you come out, the game's over, you can sort of pick up all that stuff out of the box, if you will, mentally. Um, uh, because you got to enjoy it. you got to soak it up and just play and enjoy it. Yeah, tremendous answer. Great info. Yeah. And, and Kurt, thank you for the time today. We've kept you for longer than we, we promised you, and we appreciate your patience with it. With um, with your books and with what you're doing, how can we continue to follow you? How can our audience follow you? How can they order the books? Great. Well, the books are uh, – both the books are on Amazon. Uh, I do have now the ability to do team discounts. So they just get a hold of me through Facebook if they want to do that. Um, and – I'm just on Facebook, Kurt Ickes, uh, C-U-R-T-I-C-K-E-S, or look up a Win the Next Pitch, um, or You Got This. If you search me on Amazon, it comes up, the, all the books come up too. So uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I Some of my college guys, it's funny because they're like, hey, you need to get on Instagram. You need to do some TikTok videos. I'm like, what? <laughs> so they're pushing me that direction. But right now, I'm, I'm just old school, I guess, on Facebook. So. <laughs> Uh, also, if you want to email me, anyone out there wants to email me, like I said, if you, if I know there's some coaches out there that already purchased the book for their team, if you want that uh, coach's guide, just, just uh, message me on Facebook. You can also find me. I think I'm still on Ashland University. Um, it's ashland.edu. Um, I'm still, uh, there's a link to my email. I still have the Ashland University email. One of the things you get for being an emeritus professor, they get to keep your email. So they can also email me there too if they have any questions. Yeah. And, and congratulations too. Recently, when we talked the very first time, you had 
recently retired from your private practice just that day, correct? Yes, yes. After 30 years, I, I uh, retired on my birthday. I turned 62 and it happened to be the month when I, 30 years ago where I started my practice. So I said, I think I think now's the time to uh, to, to retire. So it's it's been fun so far. It's only been a couple of weeks. Well, we wish we wish you well in that. You're doing great work with these books. Win the next pitch. And you got this. Uh, you can get him on Amazon or, as Kurt said, you can catch him on Facebook. He's not on TikTok yet, so don't catch him doing – he won't be doing dances on there. No, no you. dancing yet, no. Please he don't. Is. None of us do. We're, we're, but, um, and then you can also message him, he said, for the parent version. Uh, Kurt, we appreciate your time today. Audience, continue to follow Kevin on Ball 9. Great, great work they do at Ball 9, challenging baseball's conventional wisdom and giving solutions to it. Kevin has two great articles a week. Let's continue to support that effort as well. We can be found on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher with our podcast. Almost 14,000 subscribers. We're getting close. Should be there by the end of the week. So we appreciate everybody's support. Continue to download, listen, like, subscribe. And as as I mentioned earlier, hit me up on Facebook, uh, Instagram, or Twitter. I'm very active with answering questions on Facebook. Over 400 today. Um, I'll get back to everybody by the end of the day, I promise you. We did get that one out there early this morning. So, Kurt, thanks so much for a wonderful interview. Kevin, thank you for doing such a great job and the work you do with Real Voices of the Game Network. And this is uh, Coach and Kernan Podcast, Episode 138. Thanks, guys, so much. Thank you.